Chapter Two, Part One of *The Lost House* by Richard Harding Davis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Two, Part One. Prothero said, "Cuthbert is a man of mystery. As soon as I began asking his neighbors questions, I saw that he was of interest and that I was of interest." i saw they did not believe i was an agent of a west end shop but a detective so they wouldn't talk at all or else they talked freely and from one of them a chemist named needham i got all i wanted he's had a lawsuit against prothero and hates him prothero got him to invest in a medicine to cure the cocaine habit needham found the cure was no cure but cocaine disguised he sued for his money and during the trial the police brought in prothero's record needham let me copy it and it seems to embrace every crime except treason the man is a russian jew he was arrested and prosecuted in warsaw vienna berlin belgrade all over europe until finally the police drove him to america there he was an editor of an anarchist paper a blackmailer a doctor of hypnotism a clairvoyant and a professional bigamist his game was to open rooms as a clairvoyant and advise silly women how to invest their money when he found out which of them had the most money he would marry her take over her fortune and skip in chicago he was tried for poisoning one wife and the trial brought out the fact that two others had died under suspicious circumstances and that there were three more unpoisoned but anxious to get back their money he was sentenced to ten years for bigamy but pardoned because he was supposed to be insane and dying instead of dying he opened a sanatorium in new york to cure victims of the drug habit in reality it was a sort of high-priced opium den the place was raided and he jumped his bail and came to this country now he is running his private hospital in sowell street needham says it's a secret rendezvous for dope fiends but they are very high-class dope fiends who are willing to pay for seclusion and the police can't get at him i may add that he's tall and muscular with a big black beard and hands that could strangle a bull in chicago during the poison trial the newspapers called him the modern bluebeard for a short time ford was silent but in the dark corner of the cab cuthbert could see that his cigar was burning briskly your friend seems a nice chap said ford at last calling on him will be a real pleasure i especially like what you say about his hands i have a plan began the assistant timidly a plan to get you into the house if you don't mind my making suggestions not at all exclaimed his chief heartily get me into the house by all means that's what we're here for the fact that i'm to be poisoned or strangled after i get there mustn't discourage us i thought said cuthbert i might stand guard outside while you got in as a dope fiend 
ford snorted indignantly do i look like a dope fiend he protested the voice of the assistant was one of discouragement you certainly do not he exclaimed regretfully but it's the only plan i could think of it seems to me said his chief testily that you are not so very healthy-looking yourself what's the matter with your getting inside as a dope fiend and my standing guard but i wouldn't know what to do after i got inside complained the assistant and you would you are so clever the expression of confidence seemed to flatter ford i might do this he said i might pretend i was recovering from a heavy spree and ask to be taken care of until i am sober or i could be a very good imitation of a man on the edge of a nervous breakdown i haven't been five years in the newspaper business without knowing all there is to know about nerves that's it he cried i will do that and if mr bluebeard swengali the strangler of paris person won't take me in as a patient we'll come back with a couple of axes and break in but we'll try the nervous breakdown first and we'll try it now i will be a naval officer declared ford i made the round-the-world cruise with our fleet as a correspondent and i know enough sea slang to fool a medical man i am a naval officer whose nerves have gone wrong i have heard of his sanatorium through how asked ford sharply have i heard of his sanatorium you saw his advertisement in the daily world prompted cuthbert home of convalescence mental and nervous troubles cured and continued ford i have come to him for rest and treatment my name is lieutenant henry grant i arrived in london two weeks ago on the mauritania but my name was not on the passenger list because i did not want the navy department to know i was taking my leave abroad i have been stopping at my own address in german street and my references are yourself the embassy and my landlord you will telephone him at once that if anyone asks after henry grant he is to say what you tell him to say and if anyone sends for henry grant's clothes he is to send my clothes but you don't expect to be there as long as that exclaimed cuthbert i do not said ford but if he takes me in i must make a bluff of sending for my things no either i will be turned out in five minutes or if he accepts me as a patient i will be there until midnight if i cannot get the girl out of the house by midnight it will mean that i can't get out myself and you had better bring the police and the coroner do you mean it asked cuthbert i most certainly do exclaimed ford until twelve i want a chance to get this story exclusively for our paper if she is not free by then it means i have fallen down on it and you and the police are to begin to batter in the doors the two young men left the cab and at some distance from each other walked to sowell street 
at the house of dr prothero ford stopped and rang the bell from across the street cuthbert saw the door open and the figure of a man of almost gigantic stature block the doorway for a moment he stood there and then cuthbert saw him step to one side saw ford enter the house and the door close upon him cuthbert at once ran to a telephone and having instructed ford's landlord as to the parts he was to play returned to sowell street there in a state nearly approaching a genuine nervous breakdown he continued his vigil even without his criminal record to cast a glamour over him ford would have found dr prothero a disturbing person his size was enormous his eyes piercing sinister unblinking and the hands that could strangle a bull and with which as though to control himself he continually pulled at his black beard were gigantic of a deadly white with fingers long and prehensile in his manner he had all the suave insolence of the oriental and the suspicious alertness of one constantly on guard but also as ford at once noted of one wholly without fear he had not been over a moment in his presence before the reporter felt that to successfully lie to such a man might be counted as a triumph prothero opened the door into a little office leading off the hall and switched on the electric lights for some short time without any effort to conceal his suspicion he stared at ford in silence well he said at last his tone was a challenge ford had already given his assumed name and profession and he now ran glibly into the story he had planned he opened his card-case and looked into it doubtfully i find i have no card with me he said but i am as i told you lieutenant grant of the united states navy i am all right physically except for my nerves they've played me a queer trick if the facts get out at home it might cost me my commission so i've come over here for treatment why to me asked prothero i saw by your advertisement said the reporter that you treated for nervous mental troubles mine is an illusion he went on i see things or rather always one thing a battleship coming at us head on for the last year i've been the executive officer of the kearsage and the responsibility has been too much for me you see a battleship inquired the jew a phantom battleship ford explained a sort of flying dutchman the time i saw it i was on the bridge and i yelled and telegraphed the engine-room i brought the ship to a full stop and backed her but it was dirty weather and the error was passed over after that when i saw the thing coming i did nothing but each time i think it is real 
ford shivered slightly and glanced about him some day he added fatefully it will be real and i will not signal and the ship will sink in silence prothero observed his visitor closely the young man seemed sincere genuine his manner was direct and frank he looked the part he had assumed as one used to authority my fees are large said the russian at this point had ford regardless of terms exhibited a hopeful eagerness to at once close with him the jew would have shown him the door but ford was on guard and well aware that a lieutenant in the navy had but few guineas to throw away on medicines he made a movement as though to withdraw then i am afraid he said i must go somewhere else his reluctance apparently only partially satisfied the jew ford adopted opposite tactics he was never without ready money his paper saw to it that in its interests he was always able at any moment to pay for a special train across europe or to bribe the entire working staff of a cable office from his breast pocket he took a blue linen envelope and allowed the jew to see that it was filled with twenty pound notes i have means outside my pay said ford i would give almost any price to the man who can cure me the eyes of the russian flashed avariciously i will arrange the terms to suit you he exclaimed your case interests me do you see this mirage only at sea in any open place ford assured him in a park or public square but of course most frequently at sea the quack waved his great hands as though brushing aside a curtain i will remove the illusion he said and give you others more pretty he smiled meaningfully an evil leering smile when will you come he asked ford glanced about him nervously i shall stay now he said i confess in the straits and in my lodgings i am frightened you give me confidence i want to stay near you i feel safe with you if you will give me writing paper i will send for my things for a moment the jew hesitated and then motioned to a desk as ford wrote prothero stood near him and the reporter knew that over his shoulder the jew was rating what he wrote ford gave him the note unsealed and asked that it be forwarded at once to his lodgings to-morrow he said i will call up our embassy and give my address to our naval attache i will attend to that said prothero from now on you are in my hands and you can communicate with the outside only through me you are to have absolute rest no books no letters no papers and you will be fed from a spoon i will explain my treatment later you will now go to your room and you will remain there until you are a well man
ford had no wish to be at once shut off from the rest of the house the odour of cooking came through the hall and seemed to offer an excuse for delay i smell food he laughed and i'm terrifically hungry can't i have a farewell dinner before you begin feeding me from a spoon the jew was about to refuse but with his guilty knowledge of what was going forward in the house he could not be too sure of those he allowed to enter it he wanted more time to spend in studying this new patient and the dinner-table seemed to offer a place where he could do so without the other suspecting he was under observation my associate and i were just about to dine he said you will wait here until i have another place laid and you can join us he departed walking heavily down the hall but almost at once ford whose ears were alert for any sound heard him returning approaching stealthily on tiptoe if by this manoeuvre the jew had hoped to discover his patient in some indiscretion he was unsuccessful for he found ford standing just where he had left him with his back turned to the door and gazing with apparent interest at a picture on the wall the significance of the incident was not lost upon the intruder it taught him he was still under surveillance and that he must bear himself warily murmuring some excuse for having returned the jew again departed and in a few minutes ford heard his voice and that of another man engaged in low tones in what was apparently an eager argument only once was the voice of the other man raised sufficiently for ford to distinguish his words he is an american protested the voice that makes it worse ford guessed that the speaker was purcell and that against his admittance to the house he was making earnest protest a door closing with a bang shut off the argument but within a few minutes it was evident the jew had carried his point for he reappeared to announce that dinner was waiting it was served in a room at the farther end of the hall and at the table which was laid for three ford found a man already seated prothero introduced him as my associate but from his presence in the house and from the fact that he was an american ford knew that he was purcell purcell was a man of fifty he was tall square with closely shaven face and grey hair worn rather long he spoke with the accent of a southerner and although to ford he was studiously polite he was obviously greatly ill at ease he had the abrupt inattentive manners the trembling fingers and quivering lips of one who had long been a slave to the drug habit and who now with difficulty was holding himself in hand throughout the dinner speaking to him as though interested only as his medical advisers the jew and occasionally the american sharply examined and cross-examined their visitor 
but they were unable to trip him in his story or to suggest that he was not just what he claimed to be when the dinner was finished the three men for different reasons were each more at his ease both purcell and prothero believed from the new patient they had nothing to fear and ford was congratulating himself that his presence at the house was firmly secure i think said purcell we should warn mr grant that there are in the house other patients who like himself are suffering from nervous disorders at times some silly neurotic woman becomes hysterical and may take an outcry or a scream he must not think that's all right ford reassured him cheerfully i expect that in a sanatorium it must be unavoidable as he spoke as though by a signal pre-arranged there came from the upper portion of the house a scream long insistent it was the voice of a woman raised in appeal in protest shaken with fear without for an instant regarding it the two men fastened their eyes upon the visitor the hand of the jew dropped quickly from his beard and slid to the inside pocket of his coat with eyes apparently unseeing ford noted the movement he carries a gun was his mental comment and he seems perfectly willing to use it aloud he said that i suppose is one of them prothero nodded gravely and turned to purcell will you attend her he asked as purcell rose and left the room prothero rose also you will come with me he directed and i will see you settle in your apartment your bag has arrived and is already there the room to which the jew led him was the front one on the second story it was in no way in keeping with a sanatorium or a rest cure the walls were hidden by dark blue hangings in which sparkled tiny mirrors the floor was covered with turkish rugs the lights concealed inside lamps of dull brass bedecked with crimson tassels in the air were the odours of stale tobacco smoke of cheap incense and the sickly sweet smell of opium to ford the place suggested a cigar divan rather than a bedroom and he guessed correctly that when prothero had played at palmistry and clairvoyance this had been the place where he received his dupes but the american expressed himself pleased with his surroundings and while prothero remained in the room busied himself with unpacking his bag on leaving him the jew halted in the door and delivered himself of a little speech his voice was stern sharp menacing until you are cured he said you will not put your foot outside this room in this house are other inmates who as you have already learned are in a highly nervous state the brains of some are unbalanced 
with my associate and myself they are familiar but the sight of a stranger roaming through the halls might upset them they might attack you might do you bodily injury if you wish for anything ring the electric bell beside your bed and an attendant will come but you yourself must not leave the room End of chapter 2 part 1